1: Vince, I know you've got another show to do tonight. <laughs> it's okay. Let's go. So, are you ready for rapid fire?
2: Let's go, baby. <laughs> That's for you, Salty. That Just for,
1: for you, me. Salty. <laughs> All right. So, first question fill in the blank. ESPN's Dan Orlovsky tweeting after the Gator Bowl. We firing Tommy Reese tonight, or is 45 without your best player good enough? That's blank.
2: Hilarious. I mean, I. the sentiment is accurate, okay, because he's poking the Notre Dame fans that were calling for Tommy Reese's head. And if you were in the chat during the postgame show, there's plenty of people that still want to fire Tommy Reese because he called an amazing game, had a great game plan, but calling the pass on first and seven at the goal line that ended up being a pick six is a fireable offense right so there's plenty of people uh out there dan that want tommy reese fired (laughs) so i think the tweet is hilarious and i i mean he's like i said he's poking at the fans and i don't blame him it's fun to do that at times but you know tommy reese played called a pretty darn good game uh in in, in the gator bowl he really did
1: one, I love the way Dan Orlovsky just loves him some Tommy Reese. Oh, he I mean, does. It, and this goes back a few years now to when Notre Dame played Iowa State in the bowl game, and Orlovsky was doing that game. I mean, he he was on the, the Tommy Reese bandwagon. He obviously – and he's – I think – did he do the bowl game? Did he do the Fiesta Bowl last year, too? I can't remember now. I think he I might think have. I think he
2: did. I think he yeah. did, yeah.
1: This, yeah, because he was raving about how Tommy yes. Reese develops quarterbacks. Loves and look.
2: It. Loves it.
1: Look at what we just talked about, all the stuff we talked about with Tyler Buckner and the things that Tyler Buckner can do and mm-hmm. the how different that offense looks. Nice. Again, as, as Orlovsky pointed out, without their best player, Michael Mayer, look at how different that offense looked when they had the guy who was the starter at the start of the season compared to the guy they had to bring along throughout the course mm-hmm. of the season, the guy who was throwing balls in the ground the very first opportunity he had against Cal, i said this before at the end of the season before drew pine ever transferred what if the drew pine that we saw this year as much as people want to complain it you know and we've complained about tommy reese sure. sometimes too with some of the the play calling and things like that what if the drew pine that we saw was the absolute best you were going to get out of drew pine this season and <laughs> and i and i think that yeah. looking at this gator bowl kind of puts a different perspective on some of that with what they were able to do the way, again like the fact that you had a quarterback who could throw the ball downfield and lead receivers effectively and not just lock in on one guy I think that you know does it cover up everything that we saw this season there are still some questions with Tommy Reese but at the same time like I agree. You know, like, again, like the Dan Orlovsky love for Tommy Reese.
2: It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's like, get a room. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's borderline BK love for Tommy Reese too. I mean, it's Whatever. like, it's in the same family. I feel,
1: I feel much more confident, you know, because I spent all the off season talking about how, Oh, this guy can play to the strengths of the personnel and all this different stuff. It felt like, you know, they kind of, tried to ram down everyone's throat what they thought were the strengths of the team early on that weren't the strengths. Yeah. And they had a, they obviously had a hard time adjusting at times, but I think we saw, you know, a completely different level of what Tommy Reese can be. And then the fact that you've got Tommy also out there tweeting the other night, you know, thanks for the season. And thanks for this. And even to the Twitter haters and all this stuff, you know, so it's like Tommy Reese is, is tweeting at the Twitter haters too
2: so which is not surprising because he's still a kid and you know that twitter is you know like his thing or whatever and i you know i get that and i and i also understand where people are coming from from a tommy reese standpoint but people it's going to be interesting let's say two years from now or even a year from now we'll look at what drew pine did for notre dame okay under the tutelage of tommy reese and then Mm -hmm. let's look and see what drew pine does at arizona state under uh was it dillingham isn't he the new yeah. head coach out there yeah.
1: The guy from Oregon.
2: yeah is a really good offensive coordinator i mean he did some pretty amazing things with the minix kid from from iu right our Penix, excuse me and yeah. let's see what he can do with drew pine if drew pine is the same kid or worse well then what are we saying about tommy reese as a quarterback's coach slash offensive coordinator because Dillingham is now head coach at a power five school. So it's going to be interesting to see. I will say that. Yeah.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data,
1: I think so as well. This is a super chat from Christopher. So if we get Sam Hartman in 2023, then Kenny Minchie, and then Carr in 24. Thoughts on Tyler Buckner moving to slot receiver. A lot of options for him and plays there.
2: I do not like that plan at all. He's a quarterback. He's not a slot receiver. Sorry. I agree. He's He's not fast enough to be a slot receiver. I don't know what his hands are like. He's not a receiver. He's a quarterback, and he'll transfer before he becomes a slot receiver. Yeah. I would agree with that. No offense, Christopher. I think it's a good question because that's immediately what people think about an athletic quarterback is you could immediately move him to another position. Yeah.
1: It, you know, and the other thing we didn't talk about, we were talking about the, re- the receivers. And, well, you know, I'll, I'll save it because we got the Braden Lindsay question coming up. We can segue into some receiver talk here in a second. So Braden Lindsay announced he's hanging up his cleats for good, going to work for a company called Metasource on January 9th. That is a week from today. Scaling yeah. 1 to 10. How surprised are you that Braden Lindsey is just done with football?
2: I'm a little surprised, but at the same time, his lack of production at Notre Dame, for whoever's fault that is, okay, and there's plenty of blame to go around, his lack of production at Notre Dame is going to make it difficult for him to get on a roster at the NFL level, right? And I wouldn't have any problem with him trying and testing out the NFL waters going through the combine situation, but he probably wasn't going to get an invite to the combine. So it was going to be whatever they did at Notre Dame and however he was going to test, you know, that whole thing. He's got, I want to say he's got two degrees from Notre Dame. Why not? You know, it's the four for 40 thing, right? Use that degree. He's injury free at this point. Go make your money. I'm happy for him as well. I'm glad he got to go out the way that he did. With a long touchdown pass, with a nice reverse on the on the punt uh, fake, fake,
1: punt, yeah, and a the, little shovel pass thing too. I mean, yeah.
2: they basically used Brayden Lindsey the way they should have been using him all along. See, and that's in the like, last game.
1: I think that's what surprised <laughs> me about seeing this decision. You know, this oh. announcement that he made the next day. It's like they just showcased you.
2: Yes, <laughs> you know, it's like I thought that there um. was more to come you know i felt so bad for the kid because it's like yes this is who he is like we got it oh my goodness gracious i know and and then when i saw that tweet i was like you know what good for you man like he used notre dame to its fullest advantage at the very least he got a degree and a half i'm sure he's close to getting his master's done probably so and and because i don't know he may have he may have it but he's gonna go put put it to work put it to use man like he wouldn't be doing that if he went to Oregon, which is where he was headed. You know what I mean? That's a master's true. degree and an undergrad from Notre Dame doesn't hold a candle to what it would have been at Oregon, right? So it's like, you know what? Good for you, my man. Yeah. Good for you.
1: Yeah. I you know like I said, I was I was surprised just because you know like yeah, he has had some really bad luck at his time here. He managed to stay healthy though this year and and again, like the way he went out, I guess like that's maybe as good a, a, as, as you can hope for, you know, the way yeah. he's had some misfortune in his time here at Notre Dame. I was, you know, like a lot of people, I think, hoping that he might stick around for at least another year. So I, and I was just surprised, you know, again, like not even, I'm going to enter the, the transfer portal and, yeah. you know, go get a fresh start, awesome. you know, do a year someplace else or whatever. I'm going to work, you know, I've got this job lined up. I'm starting next week. So yeah. Good for him. That's what he wants to do. Some guys I think, you know, probably just decide it's time. I'm a little, you know, for someone so young, I'm surprised that he made this decision this early on, but good a for mature him. He's what he wants like, to do.
2: He's a mature kid and Yeah. He must have learned something in class. I mean, yeah. <laughs> good for him.
1: Yeah. You know, the other thing with the receiver that I was just kind of alluding to is they they obviously have Um, love coming in next year, another running back. And we've talked about, you know, maybe Tyree sees more time as a slot receiver or whatever. So I'm curious to see in the spring sort of what, what comes of that, you know, exactly, you know, where Tyree is both in the spring and in the fall, where he's working, you know, is he still in that running back room? Because it's going to get even more crowded. They still have Jabron Payne back there as well. And of course they get Jadarian Price back next year so it's going to be even more crowded than this year
2: oh yeah there's no doubt about it so hey i give him a lot of credit i i was i actually like i found myself like smiling as i was reading his twitter announcement you know i was like okay good for you dude like do you man (laughs) that's right
1: (laughs) fill in the blank safety brandon joseph declaring for the nfl draft is blank
2: great for all parties how about that I don't know if he was asked back, number one. I assume he was, but I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't. The second half production by him, whether it was injury-related or otherwise, wasn't good. It wasn't good. And I would say overall, the experiment to bring him in wasn't one that worked out. I mean, it really didn't work out. And yes, He had the pick six in the Syracuse game, which was awesome. And he's still a good safety. His stock went down from the time that he ended up at Northwestern because his all America year was two years ago. His last year at Northwestern was not an all American year. And obviously this year was not an all American year. So that all American year, it can almost be like a one-off at this point. If you're an NFL evaluator, unless you fall in love with some of the intangibles. So I just feel like he needed to come back. Which makes me wonder if they just said, you know what? We're good.
1: I think his eyes were always on the NFL and just the stuff with the ankle. Obviously we're not in the training room and we don't know to what degree and, you know, whatever, but it just felt like that's what it was always all about. And that's, I was a little surprised that there, you know, that that like he didn't even opt out to begin with of the
2: bowl Yeah, game. well, and he, he wasn't was, even dressed for the bowl game. I, I saw exactly. pictures; he was in sweatpants. He was in like,
1: sweatpants, and
2: and yeah. I wonder what that's about as well. And 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 look, I was very happy with what he did from a punt return standpoint. He was twelfth in the country in punt returns. That's that's great. I'll take yeah. that all day. I, I I had no problem with what he did back there, but he didn't make it the whole season. Number one, which was not good. And you know, as a punt returner, as a player, period. You need him to be there all year. Notre Dame's gonna have a ton, a ton of potential punt returners, you know, to take his spot. So now, that's not a big loss.
1: Here's a legitimate question from it ain't rocket science. Do you think teams avoided Joseph because of his all-American reputation? Because, like you listen to Alohi Gilman, his first year compared to his second year at Notre Dame, he was much more productive his first year, but he talked about how, you know, he wasn't around the ball as much that second year because of the fact that they were they were avoiding him as much as possible.
2: I don't think he'd put anything on tape that would make anybody think that they needed to avoid him. I did I I I thought in the fall and in the spring, you know, I'm talking about fall camp and in the spring, I thought dude, this kid's going to this kid's going to be special. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is going to be a great replacement for Kyle Hamilton, you know, all of those different things. Like, I, and I wasn't alone uh, in thinking that, you know, and it was disappointing the way the season turned out for him. And I just don't, I don't think teams were avoiding him. I don't. I, 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 I would have to go back and look specifically. I just don't think that that's the case. Yeah. They were avoiding Cam Hart. There's no doubt about that. That's why Benjamin Morrison had the year that he did mm-hmm. or one of the reasons. Now he's really, really good too. But there's guys that they were avoiding and then there's guys that I don't think that they were. Right. I agree. I tend to agree with that.
1: Fill in the blank. ESPN's broadcast of the Gator Bowl was blank. <laughs>
2: uh, it was very clearly SEC Homer-ish. I mean, they were vis- I mean, audibly disappointed at the end of that game especially the way the last drive kind of turned out and the way that that just didn't work like they were audibly disappointed in my opinion and i purposely kept the volume on as i was re-watching the game and i haven't gotten to the second half yet you can tell these guys do sec network games let's put it that way they they love them some sec that, that's what it felt like to me interesting
1: i i didn't read that at all mm-hmm. um what I read was just that it was a muddled, not very high quality broadcast. Well, you know, starting yeah. starting with the fact that they missed the fake kick for a touchdown oh, by South Carolina horrible. because they were showing Xavier Watts' pass breakup for a twentieth time yes. on instant replay, and so then afterwards they never even go back and show like a full, like regular camera angle, like you know they would be showing it of what exactly happened, you know, and it's the second time this season that ESPN has missed a live touchdown on the field when Notre Dame has had a game. Remember the North Carolina touchdown where, you know, the the, the touchdown uh, Lorenzo Styles against North Carolina. They missed that live because of the same thing. And, you know, then like, it was just, they were so busy trying to jam other stuff down our throats. That's what I, you know, like, like the whole, when they miked up, the two head coaches and they've got a split screen and they're showing them talking we Missed
2: two plays exactly during that
1: exactly and then they're interviewing Michael Mayer and Isaiah Foskey while the game is going on and obviously missed as Notre Dame plays. people what's that
2: <laughs> missed even more plays like exactly
1: exactly and all this you know it's it's all <laughs> stuff that you do in the second half if the game yeah. turns into a blowout but they're trying to jam it down everyone's throat in the first half, and it's like none of this stuff is even sponsored. Why are you so focused on this? Why aren't you just showing us the game? That's what I don't get. It's like any game, and you and I have done games together, any game you over-prepare in case you need it, but you're not always going to need everything. And for some reason, like they decided that we needed all this extra fluff stuff during the broadcast, and that's what bothered me the most. And especially, you know, just totally egregious when you miss a touchdown on the field and then you can't even go back and show it afterwards. And like, if you look at the, at the way the college football playoff games and you know, like these new year's six bowls have been their broadcasts have looked nothing like that. It's mostly about the game. Why does the Gator bowl not need to be about the game? Why does it need to be about all this other stuff? That's what bugged me
2: the most. Well, and it was about promoting the CFP games too. I mean, there, there was one point where they had the two quarterbacks up, Uh, they had, uh, Stetson Bennett and, oh God, whatever they had, they had quarterback up and there was a play going on behind it. Like they got back to the play late because their two of them are hyping up the college football playoff game. Like, like I get it. The college football playoff game is so much more important than the game that is being played. I get that, but not to the people watching. Yeah. Like we want to see the game that we tuned in to watch.
1: Well, like D-Rock saying, too much of the Michigan quarterback's family, you mean girlfriend, <laughs> during the TCU game. It's like.
2: Nope, that was not too much of that. I'm just
1: <laughs> but nope. the, the, always with the crowd shots. And, you know, yeah, like, like I, I think there was a reason that they kept going back to that
2: <laughs> during just, that
1: game. Yeah. But, you know, my point is. Every quarterback's got a girlfriend. Every player's got a girlfriend. Do we, right. you know, How many, how many times do we need that cutaway shot? And she's gonna be excited. You know, every girlfriend's gonna be excited if their boyfriend makes a play. How many <laughs> times do we need that?
2: But right, exactly.
1: You know, and that's a big difference between a college broadcast and an NFL broadcast, anyway, is the constant cutaways to the crowd shot in college football games.
2: Always with the parent shots. Oh yes. my goodness gracious. The nervous
1: Sweet. parents or the excited parents, oh. like they were doing it today during the the uh, Tulane game. They were Where talking they? about, you know, like the, like zooming in on the family, talking about the rent you know, the running back at Tulane and all this Ridiculous.
2: stuff. Ridiculous. Yeah,
1: yeah. Fill in the blank. South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer saying after the game that he thought the officials tried to make it about themselves in the first half of the
2: game. Is blank. Sour grapes, man. Sour grapes. Like I. I said it before and I said it after the game. I do respect Shane Beamer and what he's doing down at South Carolina. I think he's a good coach. I really do. But man, there was a lot of excuses in the second, in the post game press conference, a lot of excuses. We didn't have any players. The, the referees were terrible. You know, he was praising sec officials because that was a big 10 crew, you know, and how, how much better they are. And, and how, you know, they had the bar set so much higher for their officials than the the group that was out there today. And, you know, all of these. Like, dude, give props to the other team. Talk about the game. Some stuff that you guys can do better. And move on. Like, that's going to be the lasting thing that we all have of Shane Beamer going into the offseason. Is him bitching about the depth chart and the officials. Right. Like, come on, man. And, like, the
1: whole – so – like it's a blindside block. You know, that's what the whole thing came down to. That's what it was where a good started. call. And it was an absolutely a good call. You know, like 10 years ago, you could still do that, but that has been, they changed that. You know, I don't know how long it's been since they changed that, but it's been a while. It's been a few years. It's a blindside block and you're, it's, it's going to get called by a good official every time. You know, like Notre Dame fans and notre dame marcus freeman justifiably so would have been complaining about that had they not called it a blindside block it right. was a clear blindside block and for him just to turn into a raving lunatic because <laughs> of
2: it it was just like and you see it all the time with, with the blockers all you got to do is go down there get in the way and put your hands in the air it accomplishes the exact same objective Yeah, and that's one thing
1: that whoever that analyst was actually pointed out, and it was, you know, he was right about that. That, That's exactly That's all you've got to do. Just stand in front of you,
2: set a pick. And you see it all the time. You see it all the time, and it's just as effective. It's all you need to do, and that's the point. It's a safety thing. I mean, J.D. Bertrand did not see that block coming by any stretch of the imagination and got blown up. It's ridiculous. It's It's ridiculous.
1: Completely agree. He's complaining about the wrong things, you know. Right. That's there were there were a lot of other things, and you know he's right. There are times when officials do make it about themselves, but in this sure. case, I don't think it was anywhere close to that. No, not even not not at all. I mean, he I don't he made his reaction more about himself than <laughs> anything else because, as someone pointed out, they had already given him a sideline warning, and you know he was already you know starting to bark in the wrong directions. Up the wrong
2: trees. So, yes,
1: 100%. Super chat from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop Notre Dame is in a lose lose situation with the bowl results. They wish uh, Ohio State, SC had so many guys missing. They lose. Notre Dame couldn't beat an oh, SC team with saying. missing players. Just accept the results like a man. No excuse.
2: Okay. Yeah, I see, I, I see what he's saying. So they win you know, oh, South Carolina had so many guys missing, they lose, Notre Dame can't beat South Carolina with so many guys missing, like that kind of, I I totally agree with you. And the talking heads will make it about whatever they want, whatever the narrative they want it to be is what it will be. If they want it to be negative, it's easy to find negative things about that game. Tyler Buckner's terribly through three interceptions, two pick sixes. Get him out of there, yeah. bring in the transfer quarterback.
1: And this is a good point. You know, that was like a great catch that was made in the end zone by the South Carolina wide yeah. receiver. But they showed the replay. White chalk. Like, it was – like you could see a chunk come out of the yes. white, that which would have been out of bounds. A chunk comes out of the white. So how is he – in? and how does replay decides that that, that that was inconclusive when you can see a chunk come up right. from the out of bounds, which was the white part of the end zone. I
2: completely agree. But he never brought that up. No, So, and if they don't score there, cause I don't, was that third down? I feel like that was a third down situation or it was something along those lines. Anyway, if they don't score that. Th- this is a completely different game. It's a completely different game yep. at that point. I need to find, I, I'm going to look for that. I need to find it because that was a, let's see here. Oh, here we go. 42 oh, second and 11, the second and 11, because they just went, it was first and 10, they lost a yard on the run, and so it was second 11 from the 42-yard line, and it was a tie game at that point, 24-24.
1: Like Stimey and, and Chris both said, you know, on that touchdown didn't think that there was enough evidence to overturn blurry camera and that's probably true the camera angle was not good bad
2: i agree with that and it
1: was blurry but to me and you you agree we didn't we hadn't even talked about this but you could see a chunk of the turf come up from the white
2: the white and if uh, that comes up he was clearly had to touch it right to make it come up that that's my issue and where where's the where's the pylon cam that's always around like why is there no pylon cam like that's not that expensive like i don't understand why they didn't have that you know what i mean so or at least maybe they had it wasn't pointed in the right direction i don't i don't know yeah
1: another super chat what happened was sneed tv shows him being held down but then a penalty call against him have a good night guys i love the show best wishes 2023 i Thank you, Charlie don't West. know what
2: happened because you and i watch the tv copy just like everybody else We saw the exact same thing that you saw, Charlie. I have no idea what happened. And they, of course, another hit to the TV broadcast. They never went back and showed us what happened. They just moved on. Like they didn't even think of it. They just moved on to the next play. They didn't even talk about it. Yeah.
1: I get so aggravated when, like, there's a scoring play. And they, you know, again, they want to do cutaway shots of the sideline and and fans in the stands, and then kick the extra point and all this stuff without showing us an instant replay. Yet, you yeah. know, like I was talking about, we miss, you know, a fake kick for a touchdown because they're showing Xavier Watts's <laughs> pass breakup
2: over and over.
1: <laughs> yes, it's like I want to see replays of big plays right away. Show me what happened once mm-hmm. again you know and yeah. they're always they're always so slow on the trigger on those it seems like
2: very much so yeah.
1: all right last question of the night do you buy or sell targeting should have been called on Michigan's last offensive play against TCU Saturday night
2: <sighs> this is a tough one because probably by rule it was targeting but they've screwed the rule up so many times <laughs> <laughs> that I'm neither here nor there about it. Was it targeting? Maybe. Yeah, maybe it was. And maybe that kid should have just not even gotten involved because the kid was already being tackled. There was no reason for him to come up and hit that kid. And so maybe just out of stupidity, he should have a flag called on him, right? Obviously, I was rooting for Michigan to lose. So, of right. course, I was happy about that. <laughs> so, it probably should have been called. I mean, for being honest. But at the same time, they have screwed that call up so many times. Very true. Then, you know what? Whatever. I, I mean, whatever. And there
1: was, there was a no call, as it ain't rocket science brought up, uh, at the end of the USC Tulane game earlier today as well. And the, it's, it's one of the big problems with targeting, is the guys who are supposed to be in charge of knowing the rule and knowing when it should and shouldn't be called seem to be the worst at yes. figuring out when it should and shouldn't be called. You know, because, like, you look at the TCU thing – The rule states, no player shall target and make forcible contact against an opponent with the crown of his helmet. No player shall target and make forcible contact to the head or neck area of a defenseless opponent with the helmet, forearm, hand, fist, elbow, or shoulder. You know, the TCU thing, total crown of the helmet, up around the neck area. Like, if neither one of these calls in that TCU-Michigan game, like that one especially... J.D. Bertrand should never been flagged for targeting this year if that wasn't a targeting call. Because I've heard like, oh, you can't bail them out. And it's like, look, either it's targeting or or it isn't. It doesn't matter what down it is. It doesn't matter when it happens in the game. Either it's targeting or it isn't. And you've got to call it if it is. And by the the way the rule is written, the TCU thing definitely should have been targeting.
2: Yeah, it probably should have been. Uh, But like I said, they've screwed it up so many times, I'm not losing any sleep over it. And I'm sure the Michigan fans are hot and, you know, all of these different things because they were the last thing that they could grasp onto in that game. So, I mean, I get it. I just, I don't know. Like I said, Notre Dame has been screwed over so many times by targeting that I just don't feel bad for anybody that doesn't get it called in their direction.
1: Yeah. See, the hit on Harrison, did you see the hit on Harrison in the Ohio State game? I don't think so. I, you know, it's like, okay, so you got him, it it was more around the shoulder that, that one was a lot more gray to me of, of any of them because it was, you know, shoulder yeah and it didn't see, you know, like you didn't have like the big, you know, leading with the crown of the helmet and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, again, there's, there's too much interpretation on all these calls. That's, that's the problem with it. And that's why when ejection is on the line. And there's right. so much gray area in the way one official to the next and one replay official to the next is, is, or isn't going to call it. You've got to change the rule. Yep. I think.
2: I agree completely. The rule needs is a terrible rule to begin with. The whole thing needs to be changed, but that's another show. Yeah, exactly.
1: And I mean, we've got an off season, so we've got plenty of time to talk. We about do have course. plenty of
2: opportunity. You are not wrong, sir. <laughs> that's right. <clears throat>
1: All right, so what time does Upon Further Review start tonight?
2: I think 8 o'clock, so 45 minutes, folks.
1: You better go get some dinner then.
2: All right, I ate before this show, so I'm ready. All right. I'm ready, baby. And somebody was worried. They're like, oh, he hasn't even watched the second half yet for Upon Further Review. I watched the second half. I just haven't watched the second half with the volume up, you know, to really focus on the announcers. So... And this will be was, my second time going through the whole I thing. was rewatching
1: yesterday and I actually had a CD in. I got I got the uh the Tom Petty oh um live at the Fillmore four like C D set for Christmas. So I had disc one in and I had the volume down on the game. It was much nice. more enjoyable watching.
2: I that bet way. it was. Even I though I was still was. annoyed
1: that they there was no <laughs> you, you couldn't see that fake kick go for a touchdown. It was horrible.
2: It like was. I thought when it was live. I don't have the ability to back it up, right? When it was uh-huh. live, I was like, Man, did I just did I miss that? Like, what just happened? Like, did I put my head down? Did I blink? Like, what happened? And then as I'm rewatching, I'm like, Oh my god, they didn't even show it live. I know. This is terrible. Brutal. <laughs> terrible.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, you guys have a good good show tonight. Thanks for stopping by to everybody else tonight. Hit the like button on your way out if you would subscribe, rate, and review in your podcast channels. And we will talk to you tomorrow on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.